Hi there, and welcome to Fantasy Focus Baseball. It's a beautiful Wednesday night, August 19th, 2020, to be posted on Thursday morning. He is Tristan H. Cockroft, winner of Myriad Fantasy Leagues, and that's even with six weeks to go. Kyle, Kyle Sapi researches and produces our show because he is the ultimate team player and pal, and I am Eric Carabell. Uh, Tristan, I was thinking today, because of what happened with Fernando Tatis Jr. earlier in the week, we talk about the unwritten rules of, uh, of this show. And, uh, and of fantasy baseball in general. And I was thinking, what are, like, what are the, uh, there's no unwritten rules on this show other than just don't curse. Yeah, there are. Yeah, there are. We have to be kind to a certain pitcher who's uh, somebody on the show is a fan of. That that's that might be the one unwritten. We don't have to. We don't, <laughs> he's, he's on the injury list. He doesn't matter anymore. Like, we don't have to be, we don't have to be kind to him. That's, that's crazy. But like, in, a, in the fantasy baseball, obviously this Tatis Jr. thing is, Absolutely ridiculous, and these old school people should just shut up already. I I don't understand. If they had come back and lost that game, uh, what would have happened if he hadn't hit the grand slam? I mean, just enough already with this stuff. Well, but, we saw we saw with Trevor Gott in back to back days that nothing is sacred in the ninth inning. So Trevor got lit. Um, yeah, yeah. What yeah. what are the unwritten rules of fantasy baseball other than like try your hardest? I mean, there are, I, I would say always try to win, but there are times where you 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 try to lose for a draft pick or in a dynasty format. You know, trade fairly, be kind to others. Is there anything here? Or am I wasting time? Fill your lineup. Yes, compete. From day one to day 180, or in some years 183, or if you want to say to game 162, however it's described, see to the end, you committed to your league. Compete. Fill out a lineup, especially in rotisserie leagues. It has a bearing on other people in your league. I don't care if you're out of it and you want to turn your focus to football. Yeah, you focus. It doesn't take that long to fill out a lineup, even in September when you're doing football and baseball yeah. and maybe something else. But We're not asking you to spend six hours researching your lineup. Just spend no. the, 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 what, two minutes on your app, on the phone to just set your lineup. Enjoy it. Pay on time. I hate that when people don't. Like, you're still chasing people. You know, I, one of my leagues is still chasing people. It's the fourth, yeah. third, fourth, third or fourth week of the season. I mean, come on. It's not that hard. You pay um, by draft day. That's yes. You pay up your jelly you don't draft. by draft day. Yep. Yeah. Uh, There's a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. One of the unwritten rules, and I know it's one of your favorite, is read the rules. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Read the actual posted rules of your league. Yes. Don't, don't go into a, a roto draft and it turns out it's a points league. Uh, don't try to draft 10 pitchers when you only can house nine. Yeah. Um, you know, oh, yeah. don't be that guy who's finding all the loopholes with everything. Oh no, there's a typo in that word, so I'm interpreting it a different way. Hey, Kamish, you need to let me have that. Uh, come on, stop it. None of my leagues are doing that. I, I suspect that some of yours still do. Sometimes. Um, yeah, sometimes. Okay, be nice to the commissioner. That should be an unwritten rule. <laughs> That's a yeah, that that should be, and it's not followed by many people. The commissioner's no. job is thankless. I mean, I have some good commissioners in my leagues. I got to say, in fact, I don't have any bad right now. I'm curious. What do you think would be the equivalent of the swinging at the 3-0 pitch? In fantasy baseball? In fantasy baseball, yeah. See, I mean, that's probably not even the worst. The the unwritten rule that I think everybody's most offended by is that with a 10-0 lead, you're stealing second base in the second inning. I think that's worse. So, like, what would be that worst one? What's the worst one? If you do it in fantasy baseball, get out. A robbery trade when you know the other guy has already given up on the season and, he, and he's like, I don't care. And I could have done one of those in the NL Labor a couple of years ago and I chose not to do it. And I might have won. A good guy did win the league that year, a good friend of ours. 
and he's listening. He's, you know, I know he's listening. But the point is, I could have made a robbery trade. I didn't do it. I felt better about it because I'm a good team player. And it was more important to me to win with integrity or try to win than it was to try to cheat. Don't cheat. You know, I mean, there's ways of cheating, you know, saying, yeah, I had my lineup in on time and then I didn't. You and I ran a pool once where people were standing at 105 on Sunday afternoon when the deadline said one. And they were arguing with us about time clocks. Anyway, let's get to some of the players now. Um, I guess the big story here is Jordan Alvarez, who I've written about pretty much every day in the blog this week, because I I said on Monday, I think something's wrong here. I think he's going to be out for a little while with the knee problems. I worry about him in dynasty formats. And then it got a little bit worse. And he did go on the injury list. And now he find out he needs surgery and his year is over. Are you concerned about Jordan Alvarez in dynasty formats, Tristan? Uh Probably not more than I was coming into this year, and that was the difficulty of repeating the kind of absurd year that he had as as a a debut guy last season. There was going to be some regression. There was going to be pitchers catching up with him. We saw some of it in the postseason. And I I think that the absence now, all this does is pushes back that adjustment period into 2021. So now you're waiting longer for him to get beyond that and become the great player that he could be. Beyond that, I still think he is a very good dynasty player. He will not be outfield eligible next season. The other two players who got hurt this week, um, you can make the good case to dump them. Uh, Tommy Pham, who uh, broke a hammock bone in his wrist, and Bo Bichette with the knee. Now, they both might come back, but with like two weeks left of the season. So does it just come down to roster management if you can afford to keep them, or do you just drop them anyway? I think it comes down to does your league allow unlimited or an extremely large number of injured list spots? Uh, we've seen so often, and I mean most notably with the COVID-19 absences for teams, that if those players go on the AL, you're going to come into a numbers problem. And at that point, yes, I would be letting Fam and I'd be letting Bichette go if it's a redraft league. I love Jay Cronenworth. Can I tell you how much I love Jay Cronenworth? You know, I have him <laughs> in our sim league. Hit pitch. I have him in our sim league. I, I looked at his Ooh. minor league. Not, yeah, he won the International League batting title last season. Yeah. I was like, this yeah. guy can hit. And I thought he could play a couple different positions. Now, it turns out our league, we're not going to be able to use his 2020 stats, but he might have a future in this league. He, he's good. Anyway, he should play. And uh, when it comes to Toronto, they have nobody else at shortstop. So, like, you don't need Brandon Drury on your fantasy teams. But it's a shame because Bo Bichette is, like, one of the top ten players on our player radar right now, and you might need to drop him, which stinks because he's really good. But like we talked about on Monday's show, we knew he was hurt then. Tatis is a top ten pick, maybe a top five pick. Bobichetta, if he doesn't play the rest of the season, I would say like in the 25 to 35 range. Is that too generous? For Bichette? Hmm. Third round? It might be a little, it might be a little bit generous. I, Why? Because he, he was doing what Tatis is doing. He doesn't have as much power, but he's, he runs. He gets on base. He's, he, he scores runs. I mean, I, why would, why would Bobichette not be a nice third round pick next year? Assuming that we don't think he's got durability issues, which we don't. Well, I mean, that is going to come a little bit into play here, that if he misses this much time this year, that the the injury question is one that wasn't present originally. The other one last year is that if you look at his numbers, he did uh, do a lot in very short spurts, and this was a small sample, so I could cast aside a little of the great performance he's had by the small sample caveat. And I'm I'm nitpicking here. I I think the true value for him is going to be 50-60, when we get down to the ranking process, but I could see like you're shooting for the ceiling. I don't have a problem with 2030. Um, Nate Pearson is on the injury list with elbow inflammation. Spencer Howard has looked terrible. Were we wrong about recommending these two rookie pitchers 
and then that'll lead us into Casey Mize, whose game starts in about five minutes. Tariq Screwball already pitched. Um, rookie starting pitchers, are we? Is, is this a sign that we should not be investing in them for this year, or not? I'm going to lean to no. It's not a sign not to invest. It's the reminder that adapting to major league hitting is very difficult, can be very lengthy. And there have been studies that say it can take anywhere from 25 to 50 starts for a pitcher to fully get acclimated to the major leagues. Lucas Giolito being a very good example of how long it can take for a pitcher to get there. Now, his was a little bit of velocity uh, regaining that later on in the run. That was why he really broke through. So there's always an example for, for why, but a lot of these pitchers do do well in their initial outings. The fact that, you know, in, uh, Tarek Skubal's uh, debut, it wasn't all that impressive. Yeah, it's a little bothersome. At the same time, it was nine starts double-A experience. So he's kind of being being thrown into the fire. And I pointed out with him, and I pointed out with Pearson, and I'm already blanking on the third name, but it it was a good example of this. The range of outcomes was wide. So just you got to understand there are going to be bumps along the way. Pearson throws hard, sometimes doesn't have command. We said I, that. As I'm looking at the most added dropped on Wednesday night, Casey Mize is the most added pitcher. That's a little bit generous. But the other guys on the list don't excite me all that much. Merrill Kelly, uh, Brad Keller, who pitched really well today, Wednesday. Framber Valdez, who overcame cores earlier in the week, right? Um, Zach Davies, who's being added in a ton of leagues. We know what Zach Davies is and is not. Um, Dylan Cease, who's, uh, uh, well, what has he done lately? Um, can, can I draw you back to Mize? Yeah, sure. Mize, to me, is a little bit different. Why? His, he has no experience above double A. He, he, has, he has no experience, but among players at the time they were drafted, and including his performance last year before the injuries, he was really polished as a prospect. This was the kind of guy who didn't need much minor league seasoning. I actually think he could step in and put up a performance. I wrote it in the three to add that it's so Aaron Nola-ish. He, he feels very Aaronolish that he might never be great, but he might always be very good. Mature. That's what Aaron Nola was. That's why he was good, good right away. By the way, Tony Gonsolin, the number eight most added pitcher, still has not allowed a run in three starts. Dodgers sent him out of camp today to the alternate site. You know why that is. Why is that? They have a day off coming up in three or four days, and he's the sixth man of their six-man rotation. They're trying I to know, make. But every... he's pitching so well, Tristan. It's like but they're making every guy go on five days rest. They are. I believe they're the only team that have not had a pitcher pitch on less than five days rest. All right, other stuff in the news here. I guess more injuries. David Dahl is on the injury list. There's a shock. Yep. I'm so tired of this guy. I know he's really good, and he's got Coors Field, but he, I mean. We talk about Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stanton not staying healthy. Let's talk about David Dahl. Anyway, they call up Brandon Rogers. Do you think Rogers will play, or is this just a, hey, let's bring him up and let him sit? I don't think you call a player like this not to play him, but we said that the last time and it didn't happen. And yeah, he he didn't earn his time when he was up in a very, very, very brief look. I don't think he plays. I, I'm sorry. I, I don't playing even, Matt Kemp. Garrett Hampson's we, now playing. That's good. How do we fit in them in the lineup? Where is he I, fitting in this lineup? I'm going to make a comp here. I think Brandon Rogers and Christian Pache are not going to be regular players for Colorado and Atlanta, respectively. Okay. I okay. think that they're being called up because they're on the 40-man roster and they need a body. But by this time next week, I don't know if either are going to be on the active roster. I mean, Brandon Rogers, I think, could be a really good middle infielder for Colorado, but they've got middle infielder. They've got the best, one of the best shortstops in the league. 
They've got multiple second basemen. Hampson's playing every day. He could play left field, but mm-hmm. I, I don't think Rogers is going to play. And Pache, who's the next Andrew Jones, but you know, he's not an on-base guy. Very poor base stealer in the minors. I didn't until I looked it up. Fifteen out of thirty-four on stolen bases the past two seasons. He is not. I wrote a stolen base article on for Wednesday, and I didn't include Pache. I thought I was going to. I thought he had speed. He does have speed, but he's just such an unpolished. I think they're going to end up – I mean, Acuna comes off the injury list this weekend. Ender and Sardi still on the active roster. We don't know about Marcakis yet. Duvall's playing regularly. I just think if, you, if you're if you dropping a really good player to pick up Brendan Rodgers or Pache, I think you're making a mistake. That's all. Yep. I, the two leagues in which I stashed Pache, it was at no real loss of player. It was at a decent chunk of my fab, but not enough to really bother me. And I had a lot left. And that was the only way I was looking at it. I did not look at it as a, this is going to be my big impact ad for the, for the season. I think you're right. And Marcakis, I believe, is just, uh, he has to get through the testing process to get right. He could play tomorrow, yeah. for all we know. I mean, yeah. we've seen this, the Roman Quinn. You, you know, know what I'd liken it to? What? Kyle Tucker versus Jordan Alvarez last year. Sometimes it doesn't happen playing time-wise. Alvarez got called up, thrown right in. Tucker called up when he was. He wasn't really played regularly. Yeah, that could be. And Colorado and Atlanta look at themselves as playoff teams, so maybe they won't push these guys because they have veteran players like Matt Camp and Nick Marcakis to play over them. And I'm not trying to be flippant. I just don't think they're going to play. Now, I could be wrong, and in a week we could revisit. Um, I just don't see with the with the individuals they have in Colorado where they're putting him. If he's at second base, you can move McMahon to first. You can move Murphy to DH. But then where are you getting Camp in, for example? Um, I liked Kenta Maeda this summer, uh, even though he was leaving the Dodgers. Um, I like him a little bit more now. I took a no-hitter into the ninth inning on Tuesday. Did we look at him wrong? Because the Dodgers always were moving him back and forth, starting and relieving. And maybe he just needed to be in a rotation for good, even leaving L.A., uh, going to a more hitter-friendly ballpark. Maeda looks great. A lot of strikeouts. It all looks legit. Everything in Maeda's profile so far after three starts looks really good. Mm Mm-hmm. Averaging over six innings per start, that's a very big plus for me. It was the last question I had remaining. Uh, this was a top 30 capable pitcher uh, early for me this season. And frankly, I think he's going to meet that threshold with ease. I don't know that I'd put him top 20 yet. I think he's going to firmly be in that 25 to 30 range, but I think there'll be a great level of consistency start over start. Kenta Maeda or Dylan Bundy? Maeda. Uh, Maeda or Zach Gallon? Yeah, I'll go my Ada there, but the, uh, yeah, that's that's that makes close. it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving along now, Jack Flaherty only five outs in his uh, Wednesday afternoon start. Are you concerned, or is this just the Cardinals saying, you know, we were off for ten days and that's it? <sighs> Couple it with the Cardinals' own admission they were worried about his uh, r- his return initially, and they pushed him back in the rotation accordingly. I am bothered by it. I'm not panicked. But my fear is he's not going to contribute to you for two to three more starts. Yeah, this could be a guy who is not going five plus innings for another two weeks. Yeah, I'm tr- I want to get you the the velocity in the meantime. I'll- you got to keep him active. You don't have to keep him active, but I mean, you, you, Jack Flaherty's a top, a borderline top ten starting pitcher. I think you should keep him active. Um, let's get your trivia in here. Yeah. Um, so if you sing the song, let's please. Get trivia, trivia. I've got trivia. Here comes the trivia. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, we need more comments on Twitter about Tristan singing. It's really fantastic. I, I You've gone to a new level this season. I got to tell you, it's a truncated regular season, but there's nothing irregular about your singing. I mean, it's got, you've at, really gotten better. 
at Fantasy Focus, Tristan's singing is, is. terrible. Do we have a burner Period. account situation going on here? <laughs> oh, oh, oh did, wait, did I say that on the show? <laughs> What's going on? But Kyle, he's really taking it to the next level, right? I mean, this, this is a, a first-round pick singer for the Dude, show. It's one thing if he does the combo meals and the scripted stuff, but like the trivia one, like he's going off script a little bit there. We've got, you know, a wide range of vocal talents. I, I like what I'm seeing here. Right. He gets to I'm sing these songs. He's singing until I, I blow out my voice. <laughs> oh, hey, look, it's fun. It's oh. enjoyable. It's more fun than some of the stuff I got to read. Um, okay, let's. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Men. Fernando Tatis. Fernando Tatis. It's, it's a good thing I mentioned him. Convenient because the trivia is a little bit related to that. If you uh, hadn't noticed, and I'm sure you have, Fernando Tatis led the major leagues in home runs entering today's play. He had 11. Pretty yeah. good, huh? Yeah. Yeah. What I'd like you guys to do now is to name me the four shortstops. We're going to go with a 20-game threshold played in the given season. They had to play at least 20 games at the position of shortstop. I would like you to name the four players who have led either league in home runs as a shortstop. Or players. They were the league's oh, leader all time. in home runs. All time, they led the league in... Okay. Yep. Right, I, in, I a, in a season, they led either league in home runs. They were a home run champion yeah, for the year. This is on Eric Kelly. He likes it. Yeah, this, this is more fair than, you know, like who sung the national anthem in game 163 last year or something like that. Those kind of questions I, I'm not going to get right. <laughs> oh, yes, 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 yes. All right. Um, let's move on to the next thing here. This would be the closer carousel. Please sing that as well. Closer carousel. Okay, um, Kirby Yates is probably done for the season, which is not something we could have foreseen, even though we told you to be careful, Kirby Yates. We didn't think it was going to be injury-related. That's why he pitched poorly. But it's a shame because he was like a top two or three closer in every league, and now he's done. But the Padres, man, I just I love major league managers. I really do. Not just because of the ridiculousness of Tatis earlier this week where the manager actually was unhappy as player at a Grand Slam home run. But Drew Pomerantz pitched the seventh inning. He pitched the seventh inning, and Emilio Pagan was going to get the ninth. And now Pagan couldn't finish it because Cal Quantrill got called on because Pagan put a few men on base, and he's walking everybody. But now this could be like Josh Hader a couple years ago, where Jace Tingler, the Padres manager, really wants a right-hander to be involved in closing as well. I can't believe it would be Cal Quantrill. I think Pagan was just bad, and they had to pull him. But now I believe that Pagan and Pomerantz are going to split the saves. Do you believe the same thing? I do. I, I think Drew Pomerantz is going to fall into the Nick Anderson description of the guy who's going to get the critical time in the game, which is more often than not going to fall in the ninth inning. But you're right. Pagan is going to get some shares here. And this should also be an unwritten rule of fantasy. Chase Tingler, stop doing this to us. Managers, stop doing this to us. We want our saves. We want them to be predictable. Yeah, I mean, I, I think – I don't. I hate to recommend Emilio Pagan, but he closed last year for Tampa, and now I think he's going to end up closing for some for San Diego. Pomerantz, I still have Pomerantz as a top 10 closer right now, and I'm not putting Pagan there, but I don't think Pomerantz – I think Pomerantz now is essentially Nick Anderson. He's going to get half the saves you might need, but the other numbers are going to be so darn good that you have to add him anyway. Nick Anderson and Pomerantz are probably both borderline top 10 closers. Um it changes that that where we said he was top five before, he's probably top 10-ish, and Pagan is probably top 20. 
Yeah, isn't that amazing? Okay, so Milo Pagan now matters. Uh, other stuff in the closer uh, world. Let's see here. Um, oh. So San Francisco, do you care? San Francisco and Seattle, do you care? I care a little bit about the Giants, and some of that's just the ballpark. Uh, I think Tyler Rogers could be interesting if given the chance. We need to see if that happens first. But he's, Seattle, not a, he's not a velocity guy. He's like a sidearm or, you know, submariner, like, but, good but ground there balls. Been, there have been pitchers over this short period of time who have put up great numbers. I mean, originally we thought that's what Zach Britton was, but he turned out to be something a lot better. Jim Johnson before him. There have been ground ballers who have been very successful relievers and biting over just like a short period of time this year. If Rogers gets a chance, I, I'd add him. All right, fair enough. Other closer situations. St. Louis, do we know enough to say it's Andrew Miller? No. I don't think so either. I, I, um, it's it's a little too early to, to judge him. Yeah. Does Zach Britton get another save? <laughs> yes. But Absolutely. not a lot. Okay. That, that team is going to get enough wins. There's going to be enough off-day saves that I do think we, we have not seen Britton's last save. But you can probably drop him in leagues where you can't use the area whip case so the thursday blog entry is about um non-closers that you could add in fantasy k9 you know or k percentage rates here some amazing numbers going on right now that i didn't even know until i actually looked it up but some obvious names like corinne shack of cleveland um that i recommended and i don't want to give it all away but um some pretty oh milwaukee's got multiple it's not just peralta who's not really a setup man but this guy, Devin Williams, how about that? With You've seen his strikeout rate? It's fantastic. Um, so, like, instead of rostering guys like Matthew Boyd anymore, who are just lit, getting lit up every single time they pitch, um, you know, roster some of these middle relievers. I mean, the Dodgers have two middle relievers right now that each have two wins, uh, Trinan and Jake McGee, both, like, washed out last year. Yep. And the Dodgers now have them doing great. And they're set up men. They're not going to get saves. But they're, they each should win like five games with great K rates and, and, and great run prevention. Anyway. Yep. Yep. One, okay. one, bullpen yet, one bullpen we didn't get into yet. Is there one we have to? You, you forgot the boys from Buffalo. You know what? I think Jordan Romano is going to be like Nick Anderson. I don't think he's going to get a lot of saves. I don't know what happened today. What do, guy you, who, what do you make of the bullpen? I, I see what you're saying, but like, what do you make of them? Aren't they, are they not all interesting to some degree? Well, I mean, Ken Giles is a guy who could be getting saves at the end of the month if he's healthy. Anthony Bass is kind of that journeyman veteran who shouldn't be getting saves over Jordan Romano, but in a Tampa Bay kind of way, he should. Romano is Nick Anderson now. And then Rafael Dolis out of nowhere got today's save, Wednesday's save. I, I don't know. I guess – I still think if you're going to roster anybody there, it would be Jordan Romano. He may not get as many saves as Bass or Giles, but I think he'll be better than those guys. I would argue just quickly in Dolis's case – that they did make a commitment to him as the primary eighth inning guy entering the year. They were pretty serious about him right. in an AL only league. There could be a little bit of value there. I, I think there could be next Rocky save Daniel Bard. I'll say that for this weekend. Next twin save is, I don't think it's Taylor Rogers anymore. I think it's Sergio Romo somehow. And not a, not a great outing. The, you know, like but right after Rogers does, Taylor Rogers does have like a four fifty Babbitt right now. We got to give the guy a little bit of a break. Anyway. They they are in a perfect partnership situation. You just let the matchups play right into it. And Rowan Wick is still Chicago's closer. I, no sign of Craig Kimbrell. And I don't know why they would change that. They're doing so well. Why would they just say, hey, Kimbrell, we need you. They don't need you. I Yeah, I think Kimbrell, they've moved on. 
I think there's a little bit of a partnership going on there too, though. Jeremy Jeffress, his, his save came uh, in a day where, well, Wick should have been available that day. Okay. All right. That, that, yeah, yeah, I can see that. that could, yeah, actually, you know what it is? The Twins could be a straight partnership 50-50 or maybe even slightly favoring Romo, which is not what we expected at the beginning of the year. The Cubs now could be what the Twins were expected to be on opening day. All right. All right. Uh, combo meals, uh, Kyle Seeger, I wrote about him earlier in the week. It looks all legit on Kyle and Corey Seeger. But uh, Kyle Seeger and Tatis are the only players this season with multiple combo meals. Hunter Dozier, who I really like. I've got him on a couple teams. And Bryce Harper, my favorite, had one on Tuesday. I've heard um, of him. I've heard of him, too. He's, he's playing great. And it's certainly not his fault. And that Wednesday afternoon loss by the Phillies, oh, my God. Was, it not only was just ugly, it was boring as anything. Arietta wouldn't throw strikes. Yeah. Red Sox started a kid who should be in double A. Just yeah. awful, awful baseball today. Um, let's take a look at the schedule now moving ahead. And we start with, I guess, thir- let's start with Thursday. Um, there is day action, so if you're listening in the morning, please get your lineups in. Looks like ESPN2 has Spencer Turnbull against Lucas Giolito. That's very interesting to me. Yep. Giolito has disappointed me a little bit to this point this season, so I'm keeping an eye on him. I'm still a believer, but got to be watching him a little bit more closely. All right, so the Christian Javier game at Coors Field. <sighs> You know, like, they're not scoring runs like they normally do there. I, I don't know. I want to stick with Javier. I know that you're going to tell me that's nuts. But, I, you know, he's not giving up a lot of hits. The only problem with him is command, is control, really. Um, that's Yeah, but control and command at Coors Field I mean, yes, is not things could a go, good mix. <laughs> things could go bad quickly at Coors Field. ESPN Plus later in the day has Kevin Gosman and Andrew Heaney. I'm not recommending either one of those guys. Be careful of Chris Bryant. I don't expect him to play anytime soon for the Cubs. Um, just that could be like Acuna a week ago. He just goes on the injury list because they just, they need the roster spot. Mm-hmm. And Brian concerns me at the wrist. Friday ESPN has, oh boy, look at this. The battle of New York city, Jay Happ <laughs> and Rick Porcello. You did not want either of these fellows in your lineups. We don't have to go any further than that. We'll move on to the next pitching arrangement here, but uh, ESPN plus has Zach Wheeler, former Matt against Max Fried, who you're a big fan of. Much, and sitting- much more interesting game. Yeah. Much more interesting game. And Freed has been very good. Yeah, yeah. Wheeler, you know, the K-rate still concerns me. He's getting double plays, but he's not getting strikeouts. I want to see a little – I mean, we're not dropping him in any leagues. But if Zach Wheeler stays with a six, you know, K per nine, Tristan, we're not ranking him in the top 30 next season. I'm just saying. Probably not. But if you if you sat down and did the exercise, I could see him getting the 29th spot. You, you throw th- – Throw the number 30 at him as the starter. He was in that spot this year, and he had 200 Ks last year. Right. Well. I mean, how could he be top 30 if he was barely top 30 this year? And we I feel like he was wasn't, he, a, wasn't he 25? Guy. I feel like he was 25 to 28. He got pushed a little bit because it's, it's, the, the point is, after a month of pitching, if a guy's not striking people out the way he's supposed to, and we're not talking about Matthew Boyd types that we've given up on. <laughs> I mean, Wheeler is really good. So we need to see a little bit more in the strikeout department there. What else is happening on Friday? Robbie Ray's pitching. I don't know what to make of him. But this is at San Francisco, yeah. so you you got to use him. Yeah. Um, Mike Fire's been terrible. I guess in deeper leagues, some people are using him. Um, Walker Buell, John Gray at the Dodgers. You, you can't you can't rely on John Gray. I, I maintain still. Despite, despite the fact that John Gray has shown – well, actually, John Gray has shown the history of playing better at Coors Field – he does not have a good track record pitching in LA either. LA either, and even if you throw away the career numbers, bad matchup on paper. Period. 
Um, by the way, we didn't say the Jordan Alvarez replacement options. I mean, Miles Straw has been playing for George Springer. If you need a stolen base guy, I just don't think Straw can hit enough to get on base. Um, Abraham Toro's got a little pop. He might be a beneficiary here. I mean, obviously, Kyle Tucker is going to continue to play. But when Michael Brantley comes off the injured list, it could get a little bit dicey. Um, Brantley should be off this weekend. Um, Brantley, I don't think probably, it's a- Brantley probably bumps Toro. I would think. But I'm interested to see what Toro does. He has yeah. a pop in the minors. Uh, yeah. Saturday, ESPN Plus has Kyle Freeland. He's still pitching well against Dustin May, who's really not doing what I thought he would do, Tristan. Dustin May should be a strikeout guy. And last I looked, he was not a strikeout guy. Let me just make sure that I'm not incorrect on this one. But, yeah, I mean, Dustin May, well, it's it, it's 19 strikeouts in 24 innings. So it's not as bad as I thought. But only two in each of his last two starts. That's yeah. the issue. Yeah. So, you know, and a home run in each outing as well. And he's not going deep into these starts. so. I'm wondering if it's just like all rookie pitchers, like you just can't count on. Are you maybe. are you trying to make the Freeland over May case here? Yeah, I think I can pretty easily. Although Kyle Freeland is pitching a lot of innings, so he's going to win more games. Um, he's not a big strikeout guy, but Kyle Freeland, I, even you would have to admit now, Kyle Freeland's good. He's fine. I'm not. Mm. You're not all the way in, but I don't know what you. Obviously, this is at Dodger Stadium. Okay. It's not like SM. I wouldn't just, take it in either venue. I, I don't know at what point you're going to start to believe that Kyle Freeland's fine when he's not when he's not facing the Dodgers. He's a no oh, for so me. So next week he's fine. So when he's not facing the Dodgers, and when he's not face and he's not a course field, he just pitched well against the Astros. I'm I'm more scared by the Dodgers right now than I am the Astros. Randy Dobnak, by the way, is pitching on Saturday at Kansas City. Randy Dobnak, not a big K guy either, but it's all going his way right now. Yeah, I was going to put him in as the last uh, pitcher pickup in the Tuesday column. Pitch to contact is a hard sell, but yeah, you know, you you've, you brought him up about a week or two ago, and yeah, I, I keep looking at him. I'm, I'm intrigued. Sunday doubleheader on ESPN is Zach Greinke and Zach Davies. Lots of Zachs in the afternoon. That's Houston at San Diego. And that's must-see, honestly, because of Tatis. They're four on Sunday. Uh, a lot of Zach. Zach Godley, who's just terrible, is at Baltimore on Sunday afternoon. And Zach Eflin in the night game at Atlanta. Phillies and Braves. I'm a little disappointed in Zach Eflin. Pitched terribly the other day against, uh, I think it was Boston. He just, I don't know what it is. It's like he nibbles so much. All the walks. Tuki Tassan is on the mound for Atlanta. I, I can't recommend either of those pitchers on Sunday Night Baseball. But obviously a lot of good players. Maybe Acuna's back for Atlanta by then. I want to see Pache play. I mean, maybe I'm wrong about Pache. Maybe they play him and he's great. We know he can defend. We know he's got a little bit of pop. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, I don't. I wouldn't count on stolen bases. Um, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see what the Braves end up doing with him. And the Phillies, you know, you got to cut Kingery. Um, I think Reese Hoskins is worth cutting at this point. Um, not a lot of – the Phillies don't have a deep line. DD looks fine. DD Gregorius. But it's not a real deep lineup right now. After Harper and JT Real Muto and Gregorius, you know, it's like yeah. who else hits? But those three are locked in, I think. I mean, McC- I don't think you have to roster McCutcheon in a ten-team standard anymore. He is he is very commonly showing up in my mixed league as, leagues as the top projected available free agent. I mean, each and every time I go back, there he is sitting. It's at only top. three weeks though. Should we be giving up on Andrew McCutcheon? He's not going to steal bases. So basically, all he is is a run-scoring guy who hits two seventy, but he's not even doing that. I, I want him more in the in the leagues where I can pick my daily matchups or where you're getting some sort of sabermetric advantage. You're getting credit for the walks, points-based, etc. He's got five walks in 16 games. 
They're not playing him in the field every day. I don't think he's right. It's a 551 OPS. I know it's only a couple weeks, but I just don't see a lot of value here for him, for Gene Segura, for anybody. Basically, I'm I'm disappointed. I, I thought McCutcheon would bounce back because of the later start in the season and be great. Um, anyway, that is your schedule for the upcoming week. Anything in the forecaster we should know about for next week? I, or I actually – I have I've not gotten to the forecaster quite yet because that's yeah we're we're a little ahead on that one. I I do want to raise two questions on the Sunday schedule for you. Yeah, Concerns sure. on your part. Mike Miner pitches on Sunday. Done. I'm done. I'm done. Okay. I, you know what I I, so. I I I was interested in the four inning outing he had last week. Yep. Remember he had like four innings yep. and, he, and he pitched well and this they were trying to get it. they were trying to get his velocity back and I was like okay. And I added him in a league. I actually added him in a league and sat Luis Castillo. And you're going to say, Eric, that's crazy. But the reason Castillo is not a two-star pitcher because – No, Miner was. Right. Miner was a two-star pitcher, and it was the Padres, which, you know, is fine. And then at Seattle, which he should be good at. Yep. And I thought, Luis Castillo, what if Cincinnati's entire week gets, you know, ruined by the virus? And then Castillo today got lit. So it's not going to make a difference in my standings, Minor versus Castillo. But the way Minor pitched yesterday, that was a first inning grand slam, I think. Um, and then all the gains back in one outing. And the previous one was one where they're keeping on a pitch count and working on things. This is a bad pattern. Yeah. I, I ended up with two shares because nobody wanted in my leagues. They clearly read the Don't Draft Mike Minor article. And I'm, I'm not happy I got those shares dirt cheap. I, I'm not. And the right Seattle now, game, which you yeah. started for the Seattle game, knowing that Seattle is a great matchup for him. Yeah, you I, have I can't to. Trust him. You have to. I'll bet he's bad here. If he's bad against Seattle, I mean, it's over. It's over. Do you want the other one? Um, and by the way, don't lump in Mike Miner with Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn is, is legitimately great right now. Oh, Lance Lynn's yeah. outstanding. He's made complete adjustments. Yeah, this is buy that, That's legit. Miner's not. What's the other one? Now, the one. This is one I liked. But Frankie Montas returned to the rotation after an injury. He was pushed back. I think it was three days, ultimately. Uh, pitch is Sunday. So he's, he's making he his was, next start after the first bad one. People were, on Twitter were saying that he was injured in that game. And it doesn't look like he was. He just pitched badly. But he had no question command. was raised as to whether injuries were influencing. Now, the velocity on just the four-seamer was pretty decent. But that's also not something he leans on as much as uh, some of the other pitchers. So the velocity reading on that pitch is not all that big a telling story to me. He did not look good. Some of the hits were, you know, Babbitt oriented, but four walks, that's, that's not normal. And he's had four walks in two out of three. It was not fair. Last season, Tristan, in 16 starts, remember it was truncated because of his, you know, silliness. He walked only 23 hitters in 96 innings last year. He's already walked, walked 13 in 24 innings right now. So command, I mean, his control right now is just not right. And when I was watching him, his command was off too. The home runs he allowed, he, command and control are very different. Okay, yeah. controller walks, command is putting the ball where you want to. Uh, that's correct, right? I mean, I, where I, you I, want to, when you want to. Exactly. He didn't do either of those things against Arizona. It was a yesterday or Tuesday. He just looked terrible. But who is he facing on Sunday, Montas? This I is home um, Angels, right? I think he got. I yes. think he got a. Yeah, yeah he's got Dylan Bundy. He's who, who, who was terrible. Dylan Bundy was terrible in his, in his most recent outing when we all started to believe. And the thing that concerned me about Bundy was it was command-oriented. He wasn't walking. I don't think he was walking. It was like the two home runs he allowed were misplaced. Oh, he did. He walked four as well. And the Giants, of all teams, to light you up, the Giants? So you're talking right. – you're telling me a guy had a few good starts, 
didn't struggle with command, got batted around by a bad offense. Like, this all sounds very familiar to me. Oh, no. Oh, no. no. Don't, don't go there. We faded him on this. No. <laughs> I didn't say the name. We don't, you don't have to. I think people are tired That's of hearing the name. To put the ball on Montas, though, this is a guy who, who boosted his ground ball rate. He's given it all back this year. That's not a good sign. This is a guy who went heavy on the splitter, and it was, it's, not, it's not been showing so far. And it certainly wasn't in that outing. Yeah, and, and if it gets lit again on Sunday, I don't think you give up on him. This isn't like Mike Minor, but you know, you it's, hope it's an IL stint. He gets off to the sh- put on the shelf, gets healthy, comes back, is great. That's I mean, by it. our next show, Montas could be on the injured list. I mean, maybe something's wrong with Flaherty. They're not telling us. I mean, like pitchers are dropping all, all over the place now. So I don't know. Let's get some hash browns in here, and then we'll answer the trivia. What do we got, Kyle? Bundy's first up. He wants to know if he can drop Ross Stripling in a standard league. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Stripling was a very popular sleeper before the season, and um, I thought he'd be a little bit better than this. Eight home runs and five starts. What's up with that? And three to Seattle the other day. What's up with that? Still a good control guy. Um, he's got three wins and five starts. He won his first three. I don't think I, I, I don't. I think I wouldn't go out of my way to drop him. It depends who you're picking up for him. So I guess let's look at the most added list. Like, see, the thing is, like, I would rather have Stripling than a lot of the guys that are being added. That's Mize. the point. It's it's based on what you're replacing him with. Would you pick up Mize for Stripling? Yeah, I, th- I would. I'd make that swap. Would you pick up Brad Keller? Absolutely not. You know, I wouldn't pick up Zach Davies for Stripling. Absolutely I pick up not. Dylan Cease. Dobnak, I might. Cease, Dobnak, hmm. Dobnak, I think I would now. He limits, he limits hard control, a hard contact. Mm-hmm. Dobnak yeah, does. The exact opposite of Stripling. Stripling, Dobnak by the way. Looks, you're going to think this is a crazy comp, but Dobnak is doing what Soroka did last year. He's limiting hard contact, not a big strikeout guy, on a team that scores a million runs. Why couldn't Ron, Randy Dobnak in 2021 be a 200-inning, 160-strikeout, 15-win guy? I'm not saying that they came from very different places. A top prospect, Soroka, and the other guy, Dobnak, comes from you know, you know, know, the St. Paul Saints. But I'm just saying... Randy Dobnak is showing that kind of ability right now. Is that crazy? You think it's crazy? No. Uh, it's it's really aggressive, and I don't like investing that long a term. I mean, we're talking a year and a half from now, finishing next year with those numbers. That is a very aggressive projection. I also don't think it's outrageous. If he does it over 10 starts this year, I think it's legit. That's what I mean. Like, you're... you're so the fact you mentioned Soroka as the statistical comp, just to be very clear, the statistical comp is very interesting. Kyle Hendricks. I'm thinking of guys who don't get a lot of strikeouts. Kyle Ray Hendricks. Anderson. Kyle Hendricks is an excellent comp because Kyle, Kyle Hendricks, Hendricks is a wasn't one. expected to be anything when he came up, and he did it. And that's right. what Dobnak's doing. Hendricks is better in whip than he is proportionally in ERA. I expect Dobnak will be like a 375-115 whip guy. He'll really help you in whip. will help you not as much in ERA and strikeouts, but... If he's going to win 15 games next year because he's durable and he's on the Twins, that's Kyle and, Hendricks. And in, fairness, in fairness, I'm going to do the both sides thing to this one. For every one of the Kyle Hendricks, there's probably eight of, and I can't even think of an individual name. There's eight disaster stories of types like this. So you're you're you are going with the aggressive projection, and I totally see that. Pineda and the Stripling one to defend him. Babip is. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, no, it's not the Babip. The, the uh, left on base percentage, 59. percent that's absurd. Wow. That but he's good. given up hard contact more than 50% of the time. So he's done a lot of this to himself, but he's also been unlucky. I'm questioning 
I'm questioning Ross Stripling. I think Ross Stripling ends up in the bullpen in three weeks, and so Gonsolin can stay in the rotation. That's what's going to happen here. They just don't need any bullpen help because Trinan and Jake McGee and Actually, Baez. Alex they, Wood on the, on the uh, rehab. Alex Wood, if he comes back in three weeks, something to watch. Yeah. All right, next. Back-to-back rough starts for Tyler Glass now. Andrew wants to know what your expectations are for him the rest of the way. And I want to love him. The stuff is amazing. But something's – and he does have – look, he's got 27 strikeouts in 15 and a third innings. I mean, that's that's outrageous. Small sample, though. Come on. It's you know. four outings, you know, and he, he faced some good offense. Atlanta, the Yankees, Boston. I mean, he faced some offenses. I'm trying to see what's going on here. That would It's the not home run. The strike numbers are not Whoa, supporting that this kind of jump. 463 BABIP, 65% left on base. Yeah, I'm buying. I am buying on Tyler Glass now. Everything we thought he was, he still could be. You worried? No, I'm puzzled. I I will tell you, I'm I'm throwing aside the strike. Your enthusiasm about the strikeouts, I'm throwing aside. The swinging strike rate does not uh, does not support this kind of a jump in raw K's. But what I ask, and this is where I'm puzzled, he was experimenting with new pitches during summer camp. Where are they? This pitch selection looks not only the same as last year, but actually a little bit whittled down even from last season. He's throwing effectively two and a quarter pitches. Where are they? Fair. That's fair. He needs, he needs to step up. I just think, I think that with that kind of an arm and that kind of K rate, normal K rate for him, I think you have to stay invested. Do not drop him. I, I raise it because I would give him a complete pass over. He's adapting to making a change to his pitch selection, but I'm not seeing it in the numbers here. He's I, not on the most drop list among starting pitchers, so that's a good sign. And, I admit, I only saw the Yankees start. I haven't seen any of Glasnow's starts otherwise. Why is this guy on the most drop list? Oh. Now, I know you're not a fan, so I, I don't want to argue about him again, but Marco Gonzalez just pitched great against the Dodgers. Nine strikeouts, nary a walk, seven innings, one run, and he's the most dropped pitcher in ESPN leagues. So that doesn't make any sense. What, per- what percent down? From 75 to 37. I guess people were dropping him in advance of the Dodgers start, but the other guys on the most drop list, Pearson, Stripling, Chatwood, DiSclefani. Why is Kyle Freeland on this list? Tyler Alexander, I get, Avaldi, Plesak, sure. Um, why are you dropping Spencer Turnbull? All right, anyway, what's the next question? Jay wants to know if it's a good time to buy on Chris Bryant, currently under the Mendoza line. <laughs> um, no. We know what Eric thinks. Well, I mean, aren't you scared? It's a wrist. Yeah. That's an injury list thing by our next show. I, 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 I'm concerned. And you know what? He's not who we thought he was in the first place. We thought he was a second-round pick a couple years ago because the power, a little bit of speed, number two hitter, batting average, it all looked great for Chris Bryant. And then last year, basically, he just popped some homers. He had a shoulder problem. And now I'm starting to wonder if maybe durability is an issue as well. I mean – this is going to be two out of three seasons. He played through injury last year. He, he stole 13 bases as a rookie and not double digits since. He's a walker. I mean, he's good. He's a 282 career hitter, and he's hit 30 home runs a couple times. But this is a wrist for this year. And I wonder if next year he's like a fourth or fifth round pick too. Is this all unfair? Is this, is this- no, at the pace he's going, that's exactly where he's trending. As a matter of fact, if you're bothered by Chris Bryant and the injury question, which now is very valid, 2018 – the down, disappointing year, his exit velocity was the lowest of his career. Well, this year it's about a, a percent and a half beneath that. And not only that, his hard contact rate is the lowest of his career as well. It's beneath 30%. Big problems. 
Not hitting with authority at all. Have we already seen his best season? Yeah. You know what? I, I wrote that article in football, and I was thinking of doing it in baseball as well, but I think we've already – Chris Bryant's best season – in that second year, right? His second year, 39 homers, batted 292, scored 121 runs. Not going to steal at, bases ever yeah, again. Yeah, look at the slash numbers. I, I I, mean, I don't even remember it being as good as it was in retrospect. But yeah, it's even right. better is next year. You know, I mean, in slash numbers. Yeah. I, I think we've already seen Chris Bryant's best season, yeah. I, I know it sounds mean. I'm not trying to be mean, but... They could still be very, very good. I mean, remember... You know, we we mentioned the Ron Chandler point about was Mike Trout's rookie year is going to be the best year of his career. It it's not necessarily a criticism. He could be ninety five percent of that, and it's still twenty sixteen would be his best year. Well, that's the thing. I mean, Trout right now is great. Okay, ten home runs, all of them. You know, since he became a daddy, he's got one stolen base attempt in twenty games. So by de- almost by definition, if Mike Trout keeps doing what he's doing, this can't be his best fantasy season. Because as a rookie, he batted three twenty six with 30 homers and 49 steals. So, yeah, I think we've already seen Mike Trout's best season, too. But that's not being mean. He could still be the number one pick next year. Who's your number one pick next year? Is it Trout? Is it Tatis? Acuna? Mm. Can't be Yelich. Currently, it's Trout. But it's going to be a very interesting debate. I mean, if Tatis keeps this up, man. Like, I made the case for Acuna over Trout based on the steals. If Tatis keeps this up... Even for just a two-month season, Tatis is going to be the number one pick over Trout. Wow. Well, Tatis, is. Tatis is looking at a 30, a, about a 30 homer year, almost. In, in 60 a short games. Season. Yeah, he could he could approach 30 home runs. And He's 25 probably, steals. No, he has no chance. 20 steals. 20 steals. If he goes 30-20 in 60 games and bats 300, Tristan, he's the number one pick next year. Yeah, but pace-wise, he's not doing that. Uh, let me, uh, the pace is. Pretty close. He's 16 and 11 over 54. Yeah. So he's looking at 18 and 12 to 13. Well, I mean, that's still... for three stolen bases. So that's my point. I know. Yeah. Look, if he does that and he plays every day, there's never even like a bump or bruise on him. He does make a compelling case for the number one pick. He does. Someone's going to throw at him soon and they shouldn't. Stop throwing at head batters heads, people. What is wrong with you? You could really hurt them. I, I, these unwritten rules that, that you allow that. You, you can't hit a grand slam on a 3-0 pitch, but you can throw up Manny Machado's head two minutes later. That's ridiculous. You don't these just managers. These, Why aren't we throwing these managers knees who played and baseball? Feet. I don't get it. Why aren't we throwing it. in knees and feet? It used to be you'd knock the hitter down. And I don't, mean to sound, I don't mean to sound like an old man here, but like, you know, right? That's what it was. We're, yeah, we're throwing beanballs at people's heads. Hit somebody in the butt if you have to, but don't hit anybody. It hurt these guys. Anyway, next. Yeah. I agree with you. Last question comes a little bit further down the rankings board. Brian wants to know if you're buying what Ian Happ and Brandon Lowe are doing this year. Oh, I know you've looked into Ian Happ this week for obvious reasons to, to only us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so tell me what you've seen out of Ian Happ so far, Tristan, because that is enticing. That is a guy who looks like legit right now. Yeah. And, like, and I forgot the other name that, that Kyle just mentioned other than Happ, but uh, Brandon Lau. Oh, La- oh, and that looks great too. The power. What a great week he just had. Um, the thing about Hap is he's capable of stealing bases too. But Ian Hap's K rate is now minuscule and he's walking. So he can hit for average if he keeps this up. We always knew he had power. He had 24 as a rookie. Yeah. 
He's kind of gotten an unfair shake during the 2018-2019 span. And the fact that he didn't have a full committed position entering this year, I think, worked against him. But if you look at those underlying numbers, especially just the the, the on-base and slugging percentage, is very, very intriguing. The other thing, too, is he's bumped up the hard contact rate so far. And the small sample thing does come into play. But when you're approaching 50%, he's 49 right now, you're doing some pretty darn good things. You elevate the ball the way that he can. Yep. Yeah. That's a future 30 home run guy. Now, Brandon Lau is too, but Brandon Lau is not hitting 337 for long. That's all Babbitt oriented. Yep. And um, he's like, he's going to settle in as a 270 guy. And, you know, a month ago, we would have said Ian Happ's not hitting 270. But I think Lau has a good future in baseball as a 30 home run guy who hits 270. But I think Ian Happ can run a little bit, hit at the top of a lineup. Um, maybe there's, there's good gains in batting average too. So I think right now, I've, Man, am I really going to take Hap over Lau? I think I would. I I feel like Lau is a, a non-stolen base Jason Kipnis. And Kipnis was a very good fantasy player for a good number of years. Did have a, the occasional injury issues and now much more so over the past couple of years. But I think that is the kind of player he is. And that's still potentially a top five, more likely ranges six to ten year in, year out. I, I see what you're doing there. But like I feel like Lau is like, a Jeff Kent type who could hit 30 home runs, but do, you know, but Kipnis never hit more than like 25 homers. I don't even think he ever hit 23, he hit 20, he hit 20 home runs once in his career. Mm-hmm. And he was a base there. So I don't, I don't think that comp makes sense. I think it's, you need a second base with a pop, but not going to run and hits 270. I, Jeff Kent's obviously not a good example. That's a hall of fame player, but I'm trying to think of a yeah, second tr- base. I'm, like give me a, well, I'm, I'm trying to think in terms of the, the lefty second baseman in recent memory. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, I guess um, there isn't a great comp because he's a an extreme fly ball hitting left-handed. Is it Cano? And I'm uh, Cano. No, uh, Cano's a batting average oriented guy. Always has been. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's. Uh, well, the Padres guy, I'm, the Padres guy who never really went anywhere, and uh, Schimpf was an extreme fly ball guy. I mean, like. Lau is a 30% ground ball rate, 45% fly ball rate, like 40, 45% hard contact rate. Very good player is going to miss occasional time. I, there probably isn't a comp. Astruble? Not Odor, because he's going to hit for a higher average. Man, I can't find a good comp here. Yeah, like to tr- especially if you're trying to narrow it to left-handed second baseman. Yeah. It's, it's tough to do. I, I tough. do think he's locked in 6 to 10 every year, though. Yeah, I, I think that's that's good. That's good. Okay, uh, let's answer the trivia question now and then get out of here. Um, what was the trivia question again? So the trivia question is, I would like you to name the four shortstops, minimum 20, uh, 20 games played in the given season, who led their respective league in home runs. We're going with the modern era here, by the way. So this is since 1901. I would like you to name the four shortstops. I think I might get this. Actually. Who have led either league in home runs. I mean, Alex oh. Rodriguez. I would have Alex- Rodriguez did it in 2001 to 2003, three times. Ernie Banks did it, right? Ernie Banks did it in 1958 and 1960. So you are two for four. Can you Trevor get Story that? just did it. Story. Trevor Story. How did he not come up on the list then? I mean, Trevor Story just led the league in home runs, didn't he? He must not have. As a matter of fact, how could he have? Bellinger. Um, didn't Trevor Story lead the league in home runs like – Two years ago? All right, maybe he didn't. All right. Let me look that up. No, didn't. Uh, okay. All right. Um, There's Alonto, so- Arenado, Stanton, before that Arenado. You know, nope. All right. 
Let me think here. Um, Cause that was, that's, that's thrown me off here. Other shortstops that have hit for power. I guess it's not as obvious as I thought Minimum it was. Minimum 20 games played at the position in the given season. Because we Minimum. have to have a threshold to qualify these guys. Right. Okay. So they met the qualification to earn shortstop as a fantasy rating in the following season. Uh, is, it, is it Howard Johnson? Howard Johnson is correct. He did it in 1991. See, when you keep playing around with the words like that, yeah. that's when I start to think of a guy who's not really a shortstop. Yeah. I knew Hojo did that. Good job. Can you All get right. the last one? Give me like a, a range of years. <laughs> World War II era. Oh, so it's easy. <laughs> <laughs> it's very uh, easy, yes. We just got a guy 30 years ago, so you do all right. Bernie Banks was a lot more than 30 years ago. No, uh, Hojo. Yeah, Hojo was like late late 80s. Um, there was an eight-time All-Star. He was a right-handed hitter. He led the league at, uh, in RBI three times. By the majors in RBI twice out of those. World War II shortstop? Uh-huh. Never won an MVP. Did okay. get a lot of votes. He played almost entirely in the American League East. The, okay. the teams are currently in the American League East. <laughs> that, was a, that was a roundabout clue. Yeah. The teams are currently in the American League East. Okay, the two so. teams he's primarily known for and the team he did this for are currently in the American League East. So uh, probably, probably a Yankee. <laughs> the team that he did it for is no longer called the team that it was at the time. So he did it for the St. Louis Browns. He did okay. it for the St. Louis Browns, yes. Wait, Ducky Medwick? I'm trying to think who who played for the Browns that, that had a lot of power. Jeez, okay. <laughs> You'd have to know your baseball history to get this guy. Oh, I, read a, I, re- I read a book about the St. Louis Browns, and... Yeah. No, all right. He's a 24 year old who did it in 1945. Hit 24 home runs. It's not a lot. Finished with 247 for his career. Not bad for a shortstop in that era. Uh, I I don't know. Vern Stevens. Vern Stevens. He was in that book. Uh, One of my college roommates wrote a book about the um, about the old St. Louis Browns in the 40s, and Vern Stevens was the answer. And I should have gotten that right. But that's not exactly easy. But okay, no, I should have got. No, it. that's a tough one. I don't. Yeah, the Howard Johnson one. I'm Howard sure. Johnson one. I feel good about. All right, we're <laughs> done for today. Thank you so much for listening to our little fantasy focused baseball show. Uh, next show, I believe, will be Sunday night after the weekend. And uh, yeah, Phillies and Braves is a Sunday night game on ESPN. So check that out. Um, best of luck to all your teams in the playoffs, gentlemen. Hockey and and hoops and all that. Your Raptors and my Flyers. And I'm already giving up on the 76ers and. Tristan, are you even watching hockey and hoops and my, right now? Or? Oh, oh, my my hockey team totally in the play. Wait a minute. Are they over at the golf course? Yeah, you little devil. You're not even in the playoffs. That's all well, for oh, today. Oh, there they are. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, thank you so much for listening to our show. Remember the unwritten rules of your leagues. And I am Eric Carabell for Tristan and for Kyle. Have an awesome weekend.